0: Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Stories About Autism podcast. Thanks for joining me. My name's James and each week I'll be joined by a special guest who'll be telling their own autism story. I'm the dad to two boys, Tommy and Jude, and both of them are autistic. For the last few years I've been sharing our lives on my blog Stories About Autism. It's enabled me to speak with so many amazing people all around the world, in person and online. So I came up with the idea of launching this podcast where I'd get to talk to these different people and share with you their autism story. I've got some amazing guests lined up over the coming weeks. I'll be talking to autistic adults, parents and family members of children with autism and professionals who work with a community too, such as teachers, occupational therapists and speech and language therapists. On today's episode, I'm really happy to be joined by a good friend of mine, Kevin O'Neill. You might know him better as the bearded, tattooed, beer-drinking, heavy metal-loving dad from Autism from a Dad's Eye View. If you enjoyed mine and Kevin's chat today, please could you leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps more people find the podcast and I'd love for these stories to be shared as far and wide as possible. Also don't forget to hit the subscribe button, that way you won't miss an episode because each week there'll be a brand new story for you. Okay, let's get started. I'm sure you're going to find it really interesting. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Here we are. Here's me and Kevin. Kevin,
1: hello. All uh, right, James, long time no see.
0: It is a long time no see. Was it four months since we last saw each other? It was back in, was it October, November, was it? I think it was, yeah, for a beer fest in Birmingham. Yeah, a
1: couple of autism dads drinking beer, what's better than
0: that? So we'll get to that in a bit and everyone's thinking, (laughs) wondering what we're talking about, but we'll explain that in a bit. Um, So do you want to just, apart from my intro, take a minute to tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, well, as that lovely introduction of me says, I'm Kevin O'Neill. People on the internet will know me more by the um, Autism from a Dad's Eye View page that I run on Facebook. I am from Birmingham, England. born born and raised and I've got two boys on the autism spectrum I've got Connor who's high functioning it would have been classed as Asperger's but they don't use that um, description anymore and then I've got Aidan who's severely autistic nonverbal and quite a few other acronyms to go along with his name as well and then they've got a big sister Kira who's just a gem to them um (laughs) Yeah, um, so if you've seen any of my page stuff going around then you should already have a good idea of who I am Um, If not, hopefully this chat with James will sort of shine a light more on that side of my world
0: Perfect, and how old is Kira, Aidan and Connor? Okay, Uh, well Kira's the
1: oldest, Um, she's 11, Connor's 10 and Aidan is 9 Um, I can remember that quite easily because between the months of January and April, they run in consecutive years. (laughs) (laughs) But come April, she'll shoot up to 12, and then I'll get confused on what the age difference
0: is. (laughs) So you mentioned there that that both of the boys are autistic. Um, Yeah. When did autism sort of first come into your life?
2: Um, Well...
1: We first, we weren't exactly sure about autism to begin with. Um, Our first sort of concerns was when, as Connor was growing up, was his speech just wasn't developing. And obviously, Kira being the oldest one, and she was fully verbal by two, holding full conversations. And when Connor was reaching the same ages and milestones that she was, and she was our only reference of being parents, of what children should and shouldn't be doing at that age, and he just wasn't saying any words at all. He was just sort of, he had, he had like certain sounds. So if he wanted to drink, he would make a sound and we'd know it was a drink. And yeah, so we understood what he was trying to get to us. But he was coming up to the time where he was about to start nursery, uh, when he was free and he still hadn't said any words. And we weren't concerned about anything else because he liked to play with us. He could do jigsaws and puzzles. Um, there was a time where we used to do six jigsaw pieces, jigsaw puzzles at the same time. we just spread them all out on the floor and just bum, 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 like a little mini genius there yeah. on the floor doing all these jigsaws. The only thing that we was concerned about was his speech. Uh, we spoke to the doctor about it, and he says, oh, don't worry, when he goes into school, goes around other children, it's probably just being at home, he hasn't needed to speak or anything yet, and he'll just start chatting away when he goes to school with the other kids. And when he was in nursery, he just he still just wasn't speaking. He didn't really like to hang around with the other children. He preferred to sit with teachers, and they'd read him books, and he'd point at things, and he'd play with trains and line things up. And he just he, his speech just wasn't coming along. And we were like, okay, so we looked we looked deeper into that with the with the GP, and they put us on with the um, I think they're known as assault team, the speech and language therapy. Yeah. So we started to go into to sort of the speech and language with him, and he wasn't really paying attention to any of the therapies they were doing. All he wanted was he knew at the end of every session he could play with either pop up pirate or tumbling monkeys. So he just went through the motions so we could play with the toys at the end. Then he'd started He was about to move from nursery to start um, preschool, where that's where they start. Where they go from the age of four, and that's the beginning of their primary school years. And we were getting more concerned that he just wasn't speaking at all. Bearing in mind, all this, all this focus we're going on with Connor and going through school, Aidan was a baby as well. And I think we just wasn't noticing him as we were going along as much because his milestones weren't being met if we focused on it. But if we looked at Connor, his weren't even, but he was still progressive. So we were just saying, OK, let's just have Aidan as a baby and let him grow up. No no pressure yet because he was sort of one, two. So no no big pressures. And then, sorry, flipping back over to Connor. And we were getting nowhere with his speech development. And it had been winter, quite a long, dark winter. And you could tell that he was getting a lot more frustrated all the time. Connor was a lot more upset. And we didn't know what it was. We were still doing the same games. Um his sister was playing with him. Maybe it was just he was upset that he was locked inside the house through the winter because it's just dark, cold, and wet, and then the spring come, and the first time I got the opportunity to go out into the garden to um, mow the grass, I brought him out with me, and as we did with everything, going along with him, whenever we do something, touch something, choose something, we'd always say the words of what we were doing, and kind of would always repeat his um sounds for what he wanted and knew he never ever repeated what we said and then i was in the garden with him and i got the lawnmower out which is a flymo lawnmower and if you know the brand flymo they're always bright orange and i'm there and i'm plugging it in i'm going right here connor this is the lawnmower the orange lawnmower and at the blue because he was out of his regular system a regular cycle he had no reference and no sound to repeat back to me what I'd said to him about orange lawnmower, and he went, "Orange lawnmower." Like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Wait, what a great just first it? word. You just said it. You just said it back to me. Orange lawnmower. It's, he had no fallback system of sound or or sign or anything to us to say that word, and he just said it. And literally from that moment with him that was it. He just started speaking and all the words come. He was still under the speech and language and the only thing that they had to do with him was train his tongue and mouth muscles to produce the K and the G sounds, the quite harsh G and cuss sounds when he's talking. He just had a bit of a slur with his speech pattern. And they kept doing the same things over and over again. And Connor. As we knew from doing all the puzzles in a row, he's an intelligent boy, beyond his years, in fact. And they were talk, like trying to get him to say, Tennis, Tennis. And I was like, oh, he was sitting there. You could see him roll his eyes going, I can say this for <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> <clears throat> and then he, there was a poster on the wall, and he just got up and he was like, Excuse me, do you realize this poster is inaccurate? Because, it, it, matter of fact, that this character in Thomas came into play on this film, on this episode, no way. blah, 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 blah. And the woman just said, She's like, Right, where's the papers? I'm signing you off here. <laughs> <laughs> and it just blew everyone away. Um, there was talk while he was going through it in the old stage, he was struggling in a nursery about putting him into a specialist school. And I was trying to fight that. I was like, No, no my son, he needs to be in a mainstream school with other kids. Yeah. And they were like, no, you've got to do him damage. He needs to be in a specialist school. But I'm thinking, okay, yeah, he's struggling speaking, but everything else he can do and he's smart and picks up on things that a regular school would be better for him. And then obviously after the speech came along, people stopped saying that he should be moved on into a specialist school. And he, he's ta- he, he has taken him um, slower to get certain things through primary school. And he's had the the Senko team and the Cat team working with him while he's been there. He's had great support. His sister went to the same school as him as well. And she was sort of an emotional support for him if anything went wrong. But over the years, he's slowly backed himself away from all that support system in school. And he's now just using his friends in his class and his teacher to get him through what he's supposed to be doing in school. The Sen team is still there. Still on the system, but he's not needing their constant support in in the school. And this is his last year of primary school this year, and he moves into secondary in September, which is going to have its own new set of challenges. Which we're kind of, yeah, taking deep breaths when we think about that. So <laughs> I mean, we're in March now, September. It's getting closer, but yeah, let's not think about it too much.
0: Is there a support system put in place for him at the new school that he's going to?
1: Yes, um, because the school dates only got announced last month, we've handed the acceptance letter to say that we're going to take the place, and we're arranging a meeting with their school's CEN team, because um, they they have a system in place already in that school. We just need to book an appointment and have an arrange and have a meeting with them to get them aware of Connor and his specific needs and requirements within their school. Um, they've got a trained team to help him. Go through that transition. So, hopefully, it shouldn't be too bad because he's, he's not their first case.
2: Yeah.
1: They're experienced in it. So, that's why we chose that school for him to go to because it's still mainstream. It's not um, in any form of specialist setting. And, and he doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to get there because his friends will also go to that school as well. And he's going to be happier if yeah. he's happy, which kind of makes sense.
0: And you mentioned a few times there about Connor's friends at school, and I know mm-hmm. uh, that's maybe one well, of the stereotypes about autism is that often they struggle to make friendships and build relationships, but quite a few times you mentioned that he's got good friends.
2: Yes,
1: yes, um, he does. And it doesn't go without the stereotypes of autism. I mean during the school during the um, the school days' playtimes and break times. Kind of doesn't go out and play with his friends. He prefers to stay inside and just give himself. He calls it "me time," where he just sits in the classroom with a teacher or one of the one of the other school. What do they call the support workers there? All his friends go off outside, play football, do crazy things, whatever they do, and he uses that time to let his brain sort of. Take it, take in what's happened in class and what's happened in the lessons, and he doesn't like the um, all the outside extra sensory input coming into him. He likes to be in control, so he gets away from everybody else. He, he's he's not hiding; he just prefers it. His teachers in the past have told us that they're worried and concerned that he doesn't play with his friends in the playground. He doesn't do this, and when I spoke to him about it, I says, "Well, what does Connor think about this?" He's doing it because he's upset. And when, I mean, because I've spoken to him before, and his answer is, I like it inside. Yeah. That's where I want to be. So he's getting his sort of break, which would be known as recess if anybody's listening. I think that's the American term, isn't it?
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Everyone uses that for their own benefit to get away from studying, get their brains, get their bodies active. He prefers to pace and skip around the classroom on his own, uh, reenacting um, whatever level of Super Mario that he was playing the night before. That's what he prefers to do. And he's happy doing that um, because the teachers like listen to him rather than telling him he has to go outside. He's, he's actually focusing better in school. His friends come back in from their break time and they'll chat with him and he will, he will be blunt with them sometimes because he doesn't have a filter. <laughs> but they've, they've grown with him, and they've known him since they all started nursery at three and four. And they've helped. They protect and care and nurture and joke and laugh and play and fight. They are what you'd call real friends. And they're going to, like, a, a whole bunch of them are going to move with him up into high school, and they're going to help him go through that transition. And when you're raising a child, what more could you ask for for that that your kids got that out there in the community?
0: Yeah, that's fantastic that they're mm. they're gonna be with him in the new school. Mhm. So how does Aiden differ to Connor?
1: Um How does he differ? Well, he's the he's severely autistic, so there's a lot of learning delays with Aiden. Yeah. Um he doesn't do puzzles, he doesn't do all the things that Connor used to do. It's the, similar in that he doesn't speak, but he has sounds and noises that we understand, which yeah. is what Conor used to do when he was younger, we have heard occasional words said by Aiden, such as dinosaur and I don't know and mummy. And every, every so often we might hear a word from him, but there is something stopping whatever he's thinking in his head coming out of his mouth. Yeah. And Aiden is a huge sensory seeker he's hyposensitive which means he loves physical play and tickles but not soft little feather tickles we're talking sports science deep, deep tissue massages like that would hurt somebody else that to him is like I can feel it like, and he's happy and jumping bouncing looking at bright lights hot foods, spicy foods Every, everything that he needs is he wants the, the biggest, the loudest whatever that the world around can give his senses he wants it to be big, bright bold, loud kind of likes to shy away from the loud noises, he likes to isolate isolate himself from too much sensory input Aiden will go out there looking for all of it mm. um, he invites it uh, there, are, there are a few noises that upset him and he covers his ears. We have the ear defenders for that. Yeah. But if, for example, he can, we can have the TV on with a cartoon on, he'll put his tablet on and watch something on there and there'll be something going on somewhere else and he's, then he starts making noise over here and all these things are going on and he doesn't, seem, he doesn't seem bothered by that at all. Yet if you've got two different sounds going on around Connor, to him, it's too much. He can't concentrate. He wants to go. take himself to another room where there's only one sound in sort of entering his ears, whether it be a computer game or just one person talking. It's not too much for him to process.
0: Aidan will just have it all going on around him and just
1: soak mm. it all in.
0: It's amazing yeah. that uh, you mentioned he has ear defenders to protect him from noise, but then also mm-hmm. seems to crave having four or five different inputs as well, which is it's very could. similar to, to my son Jude. You know, yeah. what you described there, who have the iPad on and TV and music, but mm-hmm. then certain sounds, he has to have the ear defenders to, to protect himself a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It, I, don't, I don't know specifically if it's the type of sounds that affects him. I know he hates big lorries and trucks. Yeah. Uh, it, other traffic doesn't bother him, but yeah, if he sees a truck coming from a distance you'll see him put his hands to his ears straight away. And if he's out with me, or sort of leaning to me to say, I need to protect him. Mm. So whether one has scared him in the past, that he just remembers it when he sees it,
2: yeah.
1: or it's a certain vibration of the truck coming past. Because if you have if you've ever had a, a bus or a truck drive past you when you're on the street, not only is there the noise, when they come past you, there's a gust of wind that shakes you a little bit mm. if they're moving at speed. So it could be that. It could be something that knocks him off balance the sound could knock him off balance or the winds coming like the wind tunnel effect that they create when they go past you it could be that and i know aiden is he has perfect balance and core strength and i suppose if something knocks you off balance it could make make him upset it's like i don't fall over i don't feel wobbly ever yeah i can be i can be standing on top of the flat screen tv and i'm not gonna fall <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i'm Screaming in panic, but he's like I'm fine, I'm fine, <laughs>
0: <laughs> So how different was the diagnosis process for um Connor and aiden
1: okay um uh, with with connor it was it took a long time to come through because when the doctor finally decided to look into it it was it was only about his speech, so it was like right, will you go to the speech and language therapy, and then they'll report back and that that was a slow process and because he got signed off from the speech and language after he gave the woman a correction in a poster on the wall, the GP was like, well, it's not that important. He's in mainstream school. He's this and that and the other. And then it was working with the the SENCO team, with the school, that helped push through a diagnosis for Connor because if he didn't have the diagnosis, he wouldn't have the support in school because the government wouldn't fund it. And with kind of the necessity, all it was was to make sure that he gets that support when he's growing up through the educational system. Yeah. The needs for that took a long time, whereas with Aidan, we took him to the doctors just before he was about to start nursery because we were concerned about him as well because he didn't speak, but there was also a lot more other things that he was doing because he he wasn't potty trained then, Um, still isn't now. And we, there was nothing we were doing that was getting through him. And he also has something that's known as pica, where he eats things which are non food items anything from sand, stones, wallpaper, foam handles that you get on push chairs. Yeah. Um, he would chew and eat and he'd rip teddies open and eat the fluff. And we were trying to stop him to do that, and we were taking him to the doctor to do that. And the doctor said, "Oh, well, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just going through a phase." And as my wife was sat there talking to the GP, he was sat there devouring the handle of the pushchair that he was in at the time. And she's like, "How can you say that's not a problem?" <laughs> um, but the GP pushed us away. Says yeah. we're just being overprotective parents. We're trying to find something that's not there. And then within the first two days of him starting nursery bearing in mind that this is the nursery that both Kira and Connor went to previously. And the headmistress come out to us and she says, look, we've had Aidan in on the test run because they go in for an hour before they build him up for a full day. And she's like, we've seen Aidan and he needs to see the doctor now. We've had children in before and he's got all the signs of the other children that we've worked with that he's got autism of some, of some kind. Yeah, And it was the nursery who bashed down the doctor's door and says look at this child properly put him on the right path to the right therapists and that's exactly what happened and within a few months we got his full diagnosis and it happened it started after Connor's diagnosis process and he got it finished before Connor's. it happened in, in between all that and it was so quick because he couldn't do a full day at nursery and Time was coming where he was about to start school and he was not in a place to, um, he wasn't ready at all to go into mainstream school like his brother and sister. We knew this as his parents, just like he'd just, he'd escape, something would happen because he couldn't communicate with people. And the diagnosis with him was so important because that got us in touch with the um, autism specialist schools in our local area. Yeah, And we got the list of them. We went around and we found an amazing school for him where he's at now. And he's absolutely flourishing there. Now, he's not talking. He's still not quite trained. He's still severely autistic. But they're doing everything right for him. So he's developing his way in his own pace. He's not doing the government's national curriculum. They've got his own individual workbook that they work along with him which is anything as simple as getting to copy something in um sports whether it be a gamble jumping or put shapes in shapes into holes it's then he's 9 years old now and he's doing the what you'd call toddler games but all of it is going along with his development in his in his pace and when they give his sort of school reports they're not saying oh he's well behind on the national average this and the other he needs to improve they're actually telling us the improvements that he has done for him and his goals and they're all unique to him the child sat next to him in his class has completely different goals and expectations they treat everybody there individually in the way they need to be done and it's an amazing place and wouldn't have been able to get him in that school if it wasn't for the diagnosis.
0: Yeah, it's so important, isn't it? Finding the the right school that that can cater for your child rather than just follow the curriculum.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we we were lucky enough to actually have a choice of schools around us. I know some people, there's only one and they have to go there. Yeah. So as parents as well, we feel like we've made the right choice putting in there rather than being forced to and
2: just living with it.
0: So... When the word autism was first mentioned in the in the process, what what did you know or understand about autism back then?
1: Um, not much, to be honest. Uh, I was very naive. Although, as time was going on, I had started looking into it a little bit, and it was obvious. We knew the diagnosis before the doctors knew the diagnosis. They just confirmed it for us. Yeah. And then what went on from there afterwards is. Learning the individual aspect of autism mm. it's not just something you can read on paper and describe to everybody about everybody it's like it's everyone is completely individual I've got two boys they're just over a year, a year and a half age difference, and they are they they are almost as far apart from each other as, as they can be, and they're from the same family and oh. over time I've met people, friends in local support groups. Autism school meetings and every child, every person, every adult is different and there's nothing that you could say to somebody, put it all down in one book and say, this is all you need to know about autism. So when I was, when I was learning, I was looking for as many stories, as many books, as many doctor's thesis as possible and just taking all, all the information, in, balancing it in my head and then transferring that over to what I know of my boys and saying, right, well, that is similar to what so-and-so said, and this therapy may have worked with them, and so we might try doing something a certain way with either Connor or Ada, and it might be successful, it might not be. Who knows? (laughs)
2: Yeah.
1: Everything we do with them may or may not be successful, but you never give up from your learning.
0: How do you deal with that? Because I know thinking back to when the, sort of going through the similar stages with, with my boys and doing the, the same sort of thing of, you know, reading as many articles as possible, books, blogs, the amount of information can be overwhelming at times. And like you said, there's so many different therapies and so many mm-hmm. different choices. How how did you cope with that, like the overwhelm of everything?
2: Um. Me,
1: I think it was fortunate that I have my wife with me and she she's what you'd call the, the scholar-reader. She she would sit there and read every book, every thesis, every doctor's publication. She could sit there for days, weeks, just reading through them and she she's known me for a while and she would filter out the information that she thinks I would need mm. to help me to understand certain things and because me as a person, I like to practically, practically. Get my words out here. <laughs> I I like to go through life practically. Yeah. I like I like to do things. I'm a hands-on type of person. Even in my career, I'm a chef. I'm I'm doing things constantly. That's how I feel like I'm achieving. And I think my wife, she understands that about me. So she knows I won't be sitting there for two weeks with 52 books around me studying constantly about something. For me, it's about doing it and having the two boys in our house living with me, that's how I'm learning now. That's how I'm studying. I'm studying them through living with them. Okay. And getting the information passed on that she's gone, ooh, so-and-so says here, blah, 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 this might be this and this, whether it's a diet, whether it's a therapy, whether it's just somebody's personal story, she she's sort of like the the filter for my information when it comes from that side, and I practically live life with the boys. If that's the right way to explain it, I don't
2: know.
0: <laughs> yeah, know. it sounds like it's working for you guys too.
1: Yeah, I like, I like, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a hands-on person.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, on on your Facebook page, you've mentioned a few times about Kira and mm-hmm. how she gets on with the boys. So, t- tell everyone a, a little bit more about Kira.
2: Okay. Yeah. Well.
1: um Kira, she's my oldest child of the, of the three. And ever since they were born, she's loved her little brothers. And they, in return, have loved her back. Whereas, and as they've grown, the boys don't play with each other. They like to be in their own worlds. But both of them will play and interact with Kira. And because they, they prefer adult company to peers their own age but Kira Kira doesn't fit into that category Kira is somebody that they will interact with, they will play with, they will laugh with, Um, they won't do it at the same time as each other, So it's either Connor and Kira or Aidan and Kira and Kira loves the attention that she gets from them she can see how special when she does something and Aidan laughs and smiles, the joy that she gets knowing that she's done that is amazing and she does also struggle a little bit with the pressures and demands of her brothers because she's a sister and they're brothers, and brothers are stinky. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, we, we may be a special family, but we're also a very normal family. Yeah. And they will fight. They, they will bicker. They will do everything. But she, all from all, her heart and her love for her brothers is there whether it's laughing, playing, fighting, she will look after them and defend them all the way. And just seeing that in a child of mine with a heart so pure, just ready to do that, not worry about any differences and them not being normal, it's one of the proudest things to have to have a daughter like that. Yeah, she does make me very, very proud.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: We, we know she goes through a lot. We know she misses out on a lot of what you'd call sort of normal things. Yeah. So we do make sure that we take time out to give her one, one-on-one time. It's not all about therapy and working with the boys. You know, she's still our child. She's my oldest girl, well, my only girl, but my oldest child. She's my little princess. We take her out for days. We do things just for her on her own just to keep reminding her that she's not a carer. She does have to care, mm. but she's not a carer. She is a person. And she's she's recently just moved in, into high school herself. And all the reports we're getting back from all her lessons and all her teachers is just how amazing she is in her lessons. She's reaching the highest expected sort of great they haven't had any tests yet but they they monitor them and you know she's top of everything and her heart's there and yeah so we know that someone's going good with her
0: (laughs) yeah it's easy to tell how proud you are of her and how you you speak about how how did you both um explain to kira about autism
2: um uh, yeah we've we've had to We have had
1: to sit down and explain a few things to her. Usually after she's done or said something that's upset one of her brothers and we're like, you can't do that because of blah, 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 autism, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what does that mean? And we've explained a few things. But what what we've done with all the kids all the way through any form of diagnosis that we've known ourselves is we've had the conversation open in the family. We've, it's never been a secret that me and, me and my wife have had whilst the kids are in bed. We've had the conversation. When we've sat in the doctors with Connor and we've repeated back what the doctor said to us, we've said to Connor. Whether he understood or paid attention, we don't know. And the same with Aidan, whether he's paid attention. But if he is paying attention, then he knows we've not kept a secret from him.
2: Yeah.
1: And it's the same with Kira. And when we was going through... Aidan's diagnosis and Connor had started speaking. We got a book, and it was called. Uh, I think it was the Little Blue Jar.
2: Okay.
1: I can't remember. Uh, I can't. I can't remember the title of the book. And it was about a family, and one of the children was doing something that was different, and how friends were reacting to them, repeating things constantly. Um sort of autistic traits of this kid in the book, in the character in the book, and people were reacting to him, some of them not in a nice way, some of them saying horrible things, but other people asking to please stop saying that word over and over again, please listen. And it was actually, I'm going to research the book and try and share that link with you at some point. Yeah, please um, please. But it, it was, it's a, it's a family book, so it reads for children as well. And we read that to them. And whilst listening to what we were saying when we were reading it, both Kira and Connor were saying, how could people be so mean about that child? And they, they were defending the character in the book. Oh, and, wow. they was, and, there was, and then Kira was like, ah, that's like you, that is, Connor, when you don't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of bring sort of, in, in story form a way of telling them. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was one of the big things we did to try and help her uh, understand a bit more. But it was also helping Connor understand himself as well. And um, Aiden was in the room and he listened to us. We still don't know how much attention he pays to the words that we say. It's it's impossible to judge on that one. But again, if he is taking it all in um, in his own silent world and he's registering in it then we know that we're doing the right things and saying the right things for him, if he understands it.
0: Yeah. Now, I know last year, uh, Aidan went through a bit of a period of regression.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: What sort of first sparked that off? Like, what what was the... How did you first notice
1: that? Okay. Um, Well, what was going on was towards the end of the school year, Aidan was getting a lot more aggressive, And if we looked back on it, we could see this building up over time. And his meltdowns and his outbursts were uncontrollable. He would be running from window to patio doors and slamming himself into them, shaking the walls and windows. He would just drop to the floor and scream, moaning 70, 80% of the day, being upset, being angry, just not happy in general. And everything that we we've done and learned from him in the past to help calm him to redirect him none of these techniques were working anymore so we were trying our hardest to try and find new therapies that work to help keep him calm to make him smile again and it wasn't just at home it was also happening at school and when we're getting reports coming back saying how much of an upset day he'd had we were thinking, okay, we've seen a pattern in the past with him, where he does get upset towards the end of the school year. It's as if he knows school's almost over; it's the summer holidays. I've had enough. Just stop, stop taking me to school. Let me just stay at home. Yeah. And um, and when you think about it like that, it's a kid. I I was like that when I was at school. You know, not so dropping to the floor and tantruming, but I probably should have done if I if I look back on it. <laughs> Maybe I could have got more days off. I don't know. <laughs> And then something happened while his mom was out with him, gone to the shops. He'd dropped and rolled in a tantrum rage. And he has no danger awareness, and he'd started rolling towards the road. So his mom panics, tries to pick him up to get him away from the road, safe, just safety. And he was thrashing about his arms and legs, and he'd kicked her on the bridge of the nose. Um. So she wears glasses anyway, but now she couldn't see anything because her eyes
2: were streaming. Yeah,
1: and she was panicking and she was stressed because never has she not been able to control him. Mm-hmm. There's always been because there's a size difference. If if he's in a big meltdown, worst comes to the worst, pick him up, throw him over the shoulder, and just walk off. Yeah, and this was the point where she'd realized he's now grown stronger than her, and. She panicked, didn't know what to do. She did manage to get him home. Um, people in cars were stopping, winding down windows, and shouting how much a bad mum she was, I'm just really not helping the situation. Yeah. Um, so she she called me when she when she finally got back in, and she was in tears, and I was at work, and I'm like, what are we gonna do? And just because of how hard it was, said, okay, we were like, right, what we need to do now is look into medication um so something that doctors have spoken to to us about in the past about sort of behavior modifying medication and we were against it we we're like no no we just you know aiden's aiden we like him being who he is he's funny he's this He's that he's a bit of a handful but you know he's a character and we love him but because of the size and the strength difference and how big the outbursts are getting in the house and on the streets now we, we were we were like okay we we do need to look into this as medication and we started the process with the gp who got us in touch with psychologists and going through behavior plans trying to modify it before just them saying okay we'll give you we'll give you medicine here you go behavior sorted they wanted to see if there's something we could do in life and the way we interact with him first so they sort of monitored his progress and so we were going through this system and he was still having um, the meltdowns and the upsets and we were recording every date, time, how long, what happened. And after we'd come out of one of the sessions where it was just me and his mum with the psychologist and he was at school, as we were leaving that, I had a phone call from the school. And it says, we're taking Aiden to the hospital. I'm like, what? They're like, yes, he's had what we can best describe as a seizure, an absent seizure, which went on for over 10 minutes. And he's been assessed by the ambulance people. We need to take him to the hospital now. And all of a sudden, everything in my head was like, yeah, you know what? When he's been angry before, I've seen him before he gets angry. He stops, he stands still, he stops what he's doing, and then he's freaking out. And we got assessed he got he got assessed, and the word epilepsy was going around everyone speaking, so we've got um, it was like epilepsy, but he's not convulsive. I wasn't looking for or paying attention to something called an absent seizure, yeah. which is where for split seconds he he completely shuts down, and then he comes to he wakes up and he's got a headache, he's confused, he's lost, he's angry. And it's like, is this why he's been so angry for the last year, building up over time? Has he been having these seizures that we did not recognise? Is this why he's regressed from the interactive boy that he was to the child who has stopped feeding himself that we've had to hand feed him? He doesn't go on a tablet anymore. It's like and I felt terrible as a parent for not picking up on it. But we went we we went through the scans, the MRIs. And they they recognised the whatever I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a neurosurgeon so I don't know what they recognised but they saw that it was epilepsy and we've been put on the medication to help balance his seizures out and what we noticed after because it, it does take a few weeks for the medication to build up in the system and we noticed within two weeks. His behaviour has completely calmed down. His happiness has come back. His interactions in what he does is all coming back. He's feeding himself again. He's playing, he's laughing, he's instigating something with his sister. And everything now is amazing. In the regression and the anger times, it was getting very hard for us. Yeah. And we, 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 were focused, we were focused so much at the time I'm trying to get him on behaviour medication that we as parents sucked so bad that we missed that what he really needed was um the epilepsy medicine which was stopping him having seizures and he's so happy and calm now because the medication is the one that was prescribed to him is working that he's not having the headaches and the blackouts and the absent seizures. That he can just carry on being happy, and we we're not on any behavior medications anymore it's just the um the epilepsy one for him mm. and that that's what he needed from us, not behavior meds not I'm not saying to anybody else that if you if your child requires it, then they do, then you know every child is individual, but in our case with Aiden, it was just something that we missed we didn't spot at the beginning that's what the problem could have been,
2: yeah,
1: and that was a hard time.
0: Yeah, it sounds like. I mean, it's fantastic that he's had the progress that he's had by you finding out the what the the main cause was. Um, okay. I think you're a bit hard on yourself there about uh, your parenting sucking.
1: But yeah, but when 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 you see something and it's explained to you, and you mm. can say, "Oh yeah, oh okay, we've noticed that in the past. We just didn't know yeah. that. We just didn't know that we noticed." I think because we were looking somewhere else for something else. Um, yeah,
0: and I think, like you yeah. said, the the type of seizure it was—you, you, you know—I I would expect epilepsy to be convulsions. I've mm-hmm. I had no idea about absent seizures until from speaking to you before. So yeah, just really glad that that things have got a lot better for him now because of it.
1: Oh, so so much happening, joyful. Yeah, still a handful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's move on to. The reason that we actually know each other is because of your your Facebook page, Autism from a Dad's Eye of View. What sort of first prompted you to, to start a page? Um,
1: starting the page was I post stuff on my personal timeline all the time and nobody on my friends list really cared and they got bored because they're going on holidays and drinking cocktails here and there. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about other boring things. And we was just coming up to a summer holiday and we were going to do, we were planning loads of little mini adventures and things to do with the kids during the summer break. And I was like, "Ah, you know what? I think I'll just create a little page and invite a few of my family and friends from my friends list to read what I write on there because these are the people who care and I'm not going to bore them and and drive them away because... I did feel like at the time that what I was talking about was driving some people away, so I just did it for the for a few select family and friends that I knew personally. And then I was as I was sort of building and creating it from within the first week of looking at what I was doing. It's like oh, because Facebook will say you've created a page. Would you like to do this? Would you like to promote this? And it gives you hints and tips on how to run a page. and it calls it as a business. And I was like, this isn't a business. This is just a little diary for me. Yeah. But looking through some of the hints and tips, I searched out um, some other autism pages and I was reading through what they were doing. Were you following autism things. pages
0: already then? Or?
1: No. No, no I, no, I wasn't. I only started looking for them after I started my I had seen some things come up on the internet where my wife would say, when she's doing all her research, she's like, oh, this, this study from this page that was shared here. And so I knew they existed. Yeah. Um, I just didn't know what was out there. And when I was looking, it was like, mum, 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 mm-hmm. mum, mum, constantly. And then there was autism daddy. It was like, oh, okay, there's a dad out there. <laughs> there, is, there is one. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so my page actually is kind of unique in this world. And I was like, maybe I should try and help and influence and promote it that way. But I was very sort of slow builder with my page. I think it took me nearly a year to get my first thousand likes, which was amazing. And I felt like that was it. I've achieved everything. I've got a thousand <laughs> people that like my page. This is amazing. This is more than my friends list. Yeah. And then people started messaging me and answering things on my posts. And I could see the community that was building up. People who would look forward to my next story of what Aiden did, what Connor did, what Kira's done. I could see the way that they were talking and reacting. And then you get the messages where people thank you for being there for them and having another voice out there. And I also started getting messages from wives saying, this page would be great for my husband to read, but he doesn't like Facebook. He doesn't like doing things like this. He's a private man. He doesn't like talking talking publicly. And I'd hear that quite a lot. So from the page, I thought, you know what? Maybe I should create a private chat group for dads because some men don't like talking in public about something that could embarrass them, upset them. Um, But you get a few men in a quiet room and they will chat and talk all their problems out. So And I thought, okay, so what I'll do is I'll create a little support group for dads only so they can do it without fear of Their wives or their friends who aren't involved in the autism community looking at what they're saying and and judging them for that. And I was like, and I, so I started the dad's group for that. And as I thought, the dads come and they talk and they talk and they talk and they share their feelings. They do everything that you don't see them doing publicly on um, social networks. They, you don't see it out in the public from them, but in that private group, it's all there. Yeah, all the emotions are shared—the tears, the joys—and I'm amazed and impressed that that's happened. Yeah, I created it. I'm the admin of it, but I don't do anything. They run it themselves. It's It's one of the busiest groups that I've ever been involved in.
0: How many members is it now?
1: The the dads group is up over a thousand now. Yeah. Um, I might be able to find that one here right now. But it's a very pro. It's hard to find because it's a closed group. Mm. So anybody who's in the group, nobody outside of the group can see what's been posted. So if you're searching for it, it's called Autism Dads In It Together with 1,178 members, which is impressive. And it's word of mouth for people to find it, but also to keep it a safe place for people to have. Yeah have their sort of personal diary and heart on the line not everybody who applies to come in can become a member and we have to make sure that you're a dad that your child's autistic that you're not in a joint account with your partner because we don't want your partner seeing what's put in the group it so i have to be strict on whether you can or can't join the group. So that's why the numbers aren't huge i think if i opened it up publicly it would be but it would take away it's a safety net of what the group actually is if I did that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's how I found you, to be honest. I think I joined the group before I knew about your Facebook page. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's... I obviously stumbled across it on Facebook. Uh, and yeah, I can, I can say that it is a fantastic place of support. It is a place that dads get together and just chat. And the same thing, I've had quite a few people message my page and say about their husbands and their, their boyfriends and I've always pushed them towards that group because I know even for me just reading what some of the other dads say is it, a big help and a support and yeah and then it led to me finding your page and uh, mm-hmm. joining you on a, a couple of nights out.
1: <laughs> I think the first time we met up was last year at BAPS awards ceremony wasn't it welcome to see you win your award. Congratulations. That's right.
0: Thank you. Um, so BAPS for everyone who's wondering <laughs> is uh, for bloody awesome parents, uh, not for anything else you might be thinking. So yeah, that's right. Last year I won the award there and this year me and Kev are both up in the same category. So that's going to be interesting.
1: My my, fir- my first nomination. I, I don't mind if you win that. Easily, that's fine. <laughs> so um I'm not the- jealous at all somebody throwing things (laughs) away
0: but the main thing is it gives us an excuse to uh meet up and have a beer again oh yeah looking forward to that there's also another group you run the the food group
1: yes um very very recently i started up a, a new page in a group as well with a lovely lady jen from over in florida um where we're focusing on autism and food because I'm a chef and I figured I might as well actually put some of my practical use, my practical skills to use. I go to work and I cook and I come home and I cook and even though I'm a chef, it doesn't mean that my kids eat everything I cook because like I've had years of training and experience and I'm still just cutting the crusts off a slice of bread <laughs> that has to be thinly sliced, spread with mayonnaise and very particular and I... Have to set up three different dinners at meal times because everyone's got picky eating habits. Yeah, you know, I may I might be a chef, but I'm I'm not new to the world of preparing food for autism and introducing food and food versions and allergies. And Jen has got a son who's just turned 21, Cody, who he himself is now learning practical life skills to cook for himself. So me and Connor will make film a video of me teaching him how to cook a meal for himself. Cody is also over in America doing his videos and menus and that's a sort of pull and draw to the page in the group is of what we do with our cooking videos. But on top of that is we're learning and sharing about food versions, allergies, cooking skills, techniques, tips, hints, everything about food because it's so important um, to everybody in life Um, but if you get food wrong to somebody on the autism spectrum, it can be beyond disastrous. Yeah. And so it's like ways to try and help monitor and sort of not have that happen. Um, just to tell somebody occasionally it's okay if they eat the same thing every day. If they refuse or cannot eat anything else, as long as they're eating something, sometimes it's okay to say that's not, that's not too bad. You know, give it some time and slowly try and introduce something don't force somebody into starvation because you've taken away the only thing that they eat
0: I think it's so important that that parents realize that because I know thinking back to when the boys are younger you're told by experts to you know basically try and force them to eat other Mm -hmm. foods um, to get them the, the nutrients that they need but without taking into account what autism means for them and that they may have aversions to textures or smells or and just only eat certain foods.
1: Mm-hmm. So Sensory aversions can cause physical pain. Mm. And if you're forcing a child or person into physical pain, the only thing you're doing could technically be classed as abuse. So just because the doctor said that's what you have to do, you have to look at the individual that you're living with, that you're caring for, that you're feeding, you got to find out what their needs are first and work with them first and foremost.
0: So a couple more things uh, just yep. before we finish, I want to ask about your page. One thing I remember that you did, I think it was last year, it may even have been the year before now, um, time flies, is your non-verbal day.
1: Um, yes, that was in November 2016 I did that.
0: Ah, so it was, yeah.
1: Yeah, so just just over a year, year and a bit ago. Aidan being non-verbal. And we just introduced him to an app on the iPad called Prolo Quote to Go, which you you choose and select pictures to go on there that he would recognize. And if he touched the picture to make a choice, then uh, a voice would come out of the app and you could hear his voice talking. And it was an amazing thing to hear him, hear a voice come out of him. But then, sort of, this was the beginning of the regression. Before we found out it was the epilepsy, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, it's like, because we we could see the way that he was, the way that things would overwhelm him, and it just made me think how hard it must be to not be able to speak, to not be able to tell somebody something, whether it be somebody who knows and understands him or complete strangers in the street. I decided that what I was going to do was. I myself was going to have a day being nonverbal. Now, being nonverbal doesn't mean quiet and doesn't mean just walking around silently ignoring everybody. But instead of just sitting at home not talking to find out how hard it was, I was I chose a day where I was at work and I had to do my job and interact with people and I had things to do out in the community just to see what it would be like not being able to just say words out of my mouth. I programmed the tablet because Aiden could use a tablet, so I had some pictures where I could, I'd selected a few simple words, and I went out for the day, and I'd I'd explained to my employer beforehand what I was doing. So, you know, I didn't get suspended from work (laughs) for ignoring the boss. And she was very welcoming um, about the whole thing, And she'd informed all the staff that I was doing this. And if they needed to speak to me, they needed to pause and take time and give me time to answer them. So they'd already been given a briefing to take more time and care when communicating with me. So, you know, I'm working, I'm a chef and kitchens are noisy. (laughs) People asking people to do things for you to help you. Yeah. From the other side of the kitchen, when you can't just say, hey, excuse me, made me want to scream. It made me want to just shout and bang things. It made me want to go and sit in the staff room quietly, away from everybody. I was grinding my teeth all day. I was mm. anxious. Uh, I, When I finally got home from work, I was exhausted. I just wanted to go and lie down. And I'm thinking, I've done this for one day. Yeah, one one day, and it's beaten me down like this, and it it's helped me understand a lot more about Aidan. When he comes in from school, he jumps on the sofa, he gets his blanket, he throws it over his head. And in the past, I've gone, ah, oh, come on, take that off you. We're going to do this. We've got to do this. Like, let's let's do this instead. And he's like, tried to jump back on the sofa, and I'm like, I uh, I I understand now, dude, why you do that. You just come in and just that's it. Hide hide away for a bit. Calm down, because it's exhausting. And I've I've built a lot of. I thought I had compassion for him before, but I have a lot more now. And when he does certain things, I can see when I was doing them myself. Like when I was grinding my teeth, it's like why was I grinding my teeth? It's like trying to create a, a sensation in my head so I could feel something because words weren't coming out.
2: Oh, really?
1: Yeah. That was one of the little weird things I picked up on. There was quite a few more details. I can't remember them off the top of my head, but I do know it was a big eye-opener to do that.
2: Hmm.
1: And I actually would recommend if anybody out there has a child who's nonverbal or a family member or just somebody that they know to commit themselves to trying a date doing a nonverbal. You can use the Talking tablet app if that's what you want. Write pen and paper. Because, you know, nonverbal, it's, the the day was about the speaking, but it doesn't stop you communicating because nonverbal communicates in all other ways. So whatever ways that you can communicate with, use, use all of those and just see if you yourself can pick up on anything you might have missed about somebody you know or love or care for. So you can just see it from their point of view for a little bit. It's an eye-opener. I'd recommend if anybody else out there just to try it for themselves.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a really powerful experience.
1: Mm, yeah, because this even now, like I say, this was back in November 2016. Asking me that question, yeah, just reminds me of what, everything I felt on that day and how I felt afterwards. I can still feel it all now. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I can tell the way <laughs> you described it. So, one other thing your your page is, uh, or that your page followers know you for, is being very pro-stim. To explain that for us,
2: yes,
1: indeed, spinning, self-stimulatory, rocking, stimming tapping, running, hopping, bouncing, flapping—you name it. I'm sitting here right now with the ring that you get off a pop bottle. You know when you take the lid off a pop bottle, yeah, and you get the little plastic ring at the bottom where where you break the seal.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: For for this whole interview, I've been spinning that around my finger. For the for the whole time we've been sat here chatting, I've had this on my finger and I've been spinning it, man. That's mine. That's one of mine. I used to I used to tap my feet and shake my leg when I was anxious, nervous, excited, you name it. And my boys have all got their own little quirks and their own little stims. Connor likes to sort of take a, a jump forward and flop and flop his body, sort of not to the floor, just as if he's just landed a superhero move or something. Um, Aiden. Has verbal stims and physical stims, he tenses up his body, he flicks his fingers in front of right in front of his nose. All of it is just them, it's what they do, it's how it makes them happy, it keeps them controlled and focused. And there are some people out there, teachers, therapists, that try and stop that in autistic people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the word quiet, the phrase quiet hands has been put around before when they're in class and studying, it's like, quiet hands, it's like, why? Can you hear that? No. Nope. Nope, that's me doing my hands what Aiden yeah. does. What do you mean What do you mean? quiet hands? They're quiet. <laughs> <laughs> they're really quiet. You, they're just upsetting you because they're waving. It's not stopping mm-hmm. concentration. In fact, it's helping and aiding concentration. And the stigma of, oh, but you'll get laughed at, you'll get picked on. The only reason I get laughed at and picked on is because it's been a stigma through the years of people trying to hide any differences from the rest of the community. That that's why it's still an issue in some places and some areas and some families. If you bring it out into the open, if you say, Look, this is what they do, this is what they do, this is what they've always done, this is what you do. Every person has a stim, whether they twiddle their hair, whether they tap a pen. It's just a different version of that. It's not wrong. It's fine. Let them fly let them flap, let them bounce, let them hop, let them skip. Connor's teachers in his classroom, bearing in mind that he's in the mainstream school, allow him during lessons, to stand up and do, he usually does about three spins out of his chair. And then he sits back down. They tried to stop him at once and then he freaked out and we spoke to them and they asked him why he does that and he says, it helps me concentrate. And the discussion was, well, is it upsetting anybody? Is it hurting anybody? No. Is it distracting the other children? No, because it's Connor and they're used to him. Um, The other children in the classroom know it's Connor. He gets up and does it. He doesn't disrupt the class. He doesn't hurt anybody. He doesn't offend anybody. It's um, So why stop it? So I'm, on a lot of my campaigning that I do, I hashtag pro stim because there's nothing wrong with it. Unless it's hurting somebody, um, yourself or others, then a redirection has to be put in place because that's a safety issue. But when it just comes to a verbal stim or hand flapping, there's nothing wrong with it, don't stop it Ign- ignore people when they say quiet hands it's like, the hands are quiet, they're not making a noise and now yeah, I'm quite passionate about that one actually yeah.
0: and you've every right to be passionate about it, I think it's it's one of the most important things I've learned along the way in, in my autism experience over the years is stop being that parent who's you know trying to correct stimming to be Mm-hmm. more normal behaviour um, yeah. and actually let your children do it and understand why they do it mm-hmm. Cool, so just before I ask you the final question um, I just want to say thank you for joining us today
1: You're being, welcome, thank you for inviting
0: me uh, for being such a positive example for the your for your family, for um, the many thousands of people who, who interact with you on Facebook and for the autism community Do you want to let everyone know how can people best find you online?
1: If you just search in Autism from a Dad's eye view, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter, which is also it's just copies of my posts. But if you're not on Facebook, if you still type in Autism from a Dad's eye view, it should bring up my blogger account, which not as in depth in details and kept up to date, but it's still there and you can find links. But yeah, just searching autism from a dad's eye view and that's that's where you'll find me.
0: Perfect, And we'll put those links in the show notes um, for everyone so that they can easily find you, so just to finish, what would you like the world to know about autism?
1: it's not scary, it's not taboo it's different it's challenging if you're a parent, it's not the world that you're expecting when you raise a child, but yeah you know, fuck it, get over it, move on. This is the world <laughs> you got now. Learn, learn to love it as soon as possible. learn to understand it as soon as possible. When I get joy seeing Aiden stack two colored smarties side by side and he looks at them and he eats a new vegetable he uses his knife and fork properly the joy that i get from seeing him doing those developments it's more than you could ever expect and just learn to adapt to the new world you're in for them they are your life they are your world just get ready get on board as soon as possible learn understand and love that's the best way that i can say
0: amazing i love that learn understand and love that's perfect brilliant thank you kevin
1: okay thank you very much
0: Jim. massive thank you to kevin really hope you enjoyed the episode as much as i did kevin sounds like a pretty amazing dad and he's got a pretty amazing family there too really hope to get to meet the rest of the monday If you want to follow more of Kevin and his family's stories, make sure to check out the Facebook page, Autism from a Dad's Eye View. If you enjoyed this episode, please could you leave a review on iTunes. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of the coming episodes. And I'll be back next week with a brand new guest. Thanks for joining us. Speak to you soon.